listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 99. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Marcus Ogden, former NFL football player, motivational speaker, and author, to talk about his mindset as a professional athlete. In this interview, Marcus highlights three attributes that allowed him to be successful, ambition, drive, and hard work. When you think of people who are passionate about what they do, Marcus is the example of connecting purpose and joy in everything he does. Hey, Marcus, how are you? Hey, Grant, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. I'm really excited to have you on my show. We're going to talk about your mindset as an athlete and how that mindset has helped you with life after football and, and with your career and what you're doing right now as a motivational speaker. So I can't wait to, to pick your brain on your mindset and, uh, and see what you're doing and how you're affecting people's lives. Look forward to it. Thanks, uh, thanks for, again, thanks for having me on. I look forward to the conversation. I'm always about sharing some of my experiences and knowledge to help others grow. So looking forward to it. All right, man. I love it. So let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about a, uh, one of my favorite topics, mental toughness. And I know that uh, you have a lot to share on this considering that you were a, a former NFL player. But when you think about mental toughness, what does mentally tough mean to you? Mentally tough to me, Grant, means someone that faces extreme adversity and has to show extreme grit and perseverance in order to achieve their goals and their dreams. For example, I had a chance to meet a world-renowned athlete in his time, Mr. Ernie Shavers. Uh, he fought Muhammad Ali, and uh, Muhammad Ali actually said, Grant, that Ernie Shavers was the hardest puncher he ever fought in his career. And I asked you to speak to Ernie about his career and what he went through as a boxer and life after. And he says that what made Muhammad Ali such an amazing athlete was his mindset because Ernie Shavers actually knocked him down twice in a fight. Wow. But Ali got up and kept going. So that's what it means to me, my friend. It means being able to face extreme adversity and show perseverance and grit to get yourself over the finish line. You know, and I, I say this a lot on my show, but it's, you know, that, that word or words, mental toughness, we all know what it means, but I've had almost 100 people on my show, and, and there's just a little bit of a different definition from each guest, which I love, and no one's ever brought up the, the antidote of, of Muhammad Ali, so that's, uh, thank you for that. that. That's awesome. Awesome. So... Share a specific time uh, within your career, and I know that there's tons of them uh, when you played through college and, and your professional career, but can you share a specific time in your career where you had to be mentally tough? Yes, Grant. I remember my first practice, well, one of my first practices in my first training camp with the Jaguars, I got beat by a veteran, uh, Aiken Ayadele, a good friend of mine now today, was a great player out of Purdue. But he was like an outside linebacker playing DN, like, you know, 6'3", about 2'10", 215, blazing fast and great hands. And I hadn't seen anything like that in college. And I remember getting beat for six sacks in a practice because 
the first one I, I kind of just, you know, got beat. I just kind of got over, you know, anxious and I was just kind of upset with myself. And then he said, oh, no, don't worry about that. Marcus, just calm down. Don't worry. We won't go fast. And I said, oh, and that's, and I pulled the foot off the gas and he goes on and beats me for another sack. And then at this point I'm pissed off. I'm mad. And I got beat for another four sacks because I literally got out of the mindset of being tough. I got into the, the zone of being angry and frustrated and just something where I just, I couldn't think straight. And I was just so frustrated. And when I got to that zone grant, it was over for me for the entire practice. And I remember coach Del Rio telling me, Marcus, look, you've been beat for six sacks in a practice. Six. If you were in a game, you've been out of the game on the bench and we would have been, you know, the year had been done, but it's just practice. So you have a choice. Come back tomorrow with a vengeance and come out here and compete at a high level and show us you can be mentally tough or continue to mope about the way you got beat today, allow it to affect your game for the rest of training camp and be going home early. Wow. And I made a decision. So that was the first time really in football where I had to really show mental toughness. What was it? Because, I mean, when and this is a real thing in sports, is when, when we deal with failure, how do we actually get back into our most confident self? How did you bounce back? What was it? You know what it was? I went home, and I just thought to myself, okay, Marcus, you're in the National Football League. You've been drafted. You deserve to be here. You had a bad day. Everyone has bad days. But here's the thing. Don't allow a bad day to turn into multiple bad days, a bad week, et cetera. So that's what I had to tell myself when I got home that evening when I sat down on my couch and said, okay, here it is. You have two options. Option A, you can fix it, or option B, you can complain about it. Right. That's simple. You know, Nick Saban has a, a, a great um, statement or a quote about failures that never waste a failure, you know, Get the, get the feedback, you know, failure is informative. And I think when we can get that feedback and we can get out of our emotional self and get into more of that feedback self, that's how we can actually turn this failure into something, into an opportunity. Um, and as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, how important it is to have a support system. And, and especially when we, when we do fail, um, how we can tap into people that will help us and support us. And I was wondering with, with your brother, Jonathan, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, how has he or how was he when you had to just support you when you had, you know, a bad day or when you had to deal with failures? Was was he instrumental in supporting you? Oh, absolutely he was. Uh, absolutely. He always made himself available for calls during, you know, uh, his downtime if I needed him. Um, he always made sure that I was someone he would put to the top of, you know, the needs to put on the call or phone or anything at that time if I needed them. So he gave me top priority, which was huge for me because I needed that. I needed someone to call outside of my coach, outside of my teammates, and my brother was the best of the best. So <laughs> it was a very easy phone call for me, and it made my life a lot more, shall we say, less challenging uh, in training camp because of what he did for me. Awesome. 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 
Well, how would you describe your mindset when you played? And, and did your mindset change as you advanced through your career from high school to college to professional? Yeah, my mindset became a lot more, uh, a lot, it, my mindset became stronger as I got older. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, eh, it's kind of, it's a game, it's fun. All right, whatever it is. I didn't really have a mindset. You know, sometimes I had to ask, eh, whatever. I might not work as hard because it's high school. College, it became more serious because it was paying for my education. The NFL was paying for my life. So right. as every time I stepped up from high school to college to the NFL, it was huge because my mindset also elevated and got stronger over uh, that period of time. You know, and when we talk about mindset, because we, we hear that word all the time in our society now, which is great. But being an offensive lineman, being in the trenches, I mean, there's it's, it's a different mindset. And how, how do you actually wake up every morning for all those years and put yourself through, you know, through, through that type of work? I mean, you're, you're banging your bodies and you're banging your heads, you know. And, and I know this because I played quarterback for, for 13 years. So I, I know what it's like. I was up, cl- up close and personal. Uh, on what a day in the life is for an offensive lineman, but like, how did you, how did you actually get that that mindset every day to to get into the trenches? Well, every day I realized that it was an honor and a privilege to go out in the football field and play. Awesome. And what you know, and, and that's what it, what it is. It's an honor and a privilege because so many people can't do it, and that was the mentality that I had, and I also just had the mentality that you know. I'm one of the best of the best at what I do. I'm not, I'm not arrogant and I'm not overzealous, but I'm confident. And I learned this listening to a podcast. Confidence is something that we're born with. We don't have it all the time. If you're confident all the time, you're arrogant. Confidence is when you're able to turn on your ability to shine and do your best when you need it. So I always had the ability to be confident when I was on that football field. And then I turned it off when I got off and then I turned it back on if I needed it in life. But that's what happens to guys who don't make it a lot of times is they're confident all the time on the field, but off the field in life. And what happens is people look at you as arrogant and look at you as cocky. And that's when you put yourself in what I call the danger zone. There's a comfort zone, which is where people, a lot of people stay in. Why? Because it's easy and simple. Then you have the danger zone, which is when you become basically cocky, arrogant, you can't be told anything. That's the danger zone, which puts you in a lot of trouble. And then the, the zone where the magic happens, Grant, is the breakthrough zone, where you're out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself, but you're not in the danger zone because you realize if you don't continue to be humble and have a great attitude, you can lose everything in the blink of an eye. Mm. You know, I've heard a great quote where um, when you're talking about breakthroughs. Your, your breakthrough comes from your breakdown. And when you, when you are breaking down, if you, again, where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. Where if you allow yourself to get the feedback and see it differently. And, and I also love it. I mean, I literally, you put a smile on my face when you said that playing football was a privilege. It was an honor. And it literally, it, it really did this for me. Uh, when I actually changed my mindset in junior college 
to let go of all my stresses, my bills and relationships and schoolwork, all that stuff that used to distract me. I remember my trigger or my cue was right when I stepped on the green field. That, that was actually when I let go of all of that. And that always that, that gave me so much power to actually immerse and commit myself to this beautiful game of football. And that was the honor and the privilege. So when you said that, it took me back to when I started changing my behavior of actually really committing to the game of football and because it was such an honor. Yeah, and that's any, anyone who plays a sport, it's a privilege, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people in the society who have, who have physical ailments and issues, health issues, mental issues, and they just are not able to do what the game requires. So if you're able to do it, count your blessing. If you're able to do it and be paid for it, either as a student athlete in college where your education's free or even grateful enough to do it for a living where you can take care of your loved ones and create a legacy for yourself, now you're talking about the ultimate privilege. Mm. So that's why I tell you all the time, sports is not a, you know, it's not a uh, something that's gifted or guaranteed or something that you just have to say, oh, I want to do it, and so here is and the lights cut on. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of staying in the breakthrough zone for many years and not falling back into the comfort zone and not falling into the danger zone where you can do what you have to do at the highest level possible. Yeah. Now, we, we talk about how like what sports do for athletes as far as the, the attributes, the things that we gain, all the lessons. And because I know that the game of football and all the other sports I've played, it it allowed me to be, uh, it taught me so many things, to especially leadership. And it helped me so much with life after football. How has your mindset, what you gained from the game of football, how has, how has that helped you with what you're doing now and and with your life after football? Well, again, because of my business as a keynote speaker, executive coach, consultant, trainer, uh, I'm an author. I wrote a book that came out in 2015 called Sleepless Nights. My second book, uh, The Success Cycle, will be out January 28, 2020, uh, which I'm very excited about. It talks about three major things, Grant, ambition, drive, and hard work. If you can do these three things in your own personal life, you can achieve success. If you are focused enough to be ambitious enough to write your goals out, write them down, right? If you are driven enough and have drive enough to be inspired to make a change for the long haul, not just be motivated for someone else's gain or for your own short-term gain, and if you're willing to be hardworking and work hard and focus on you, not the competition, you give yourself the best chance to succeed. So in my career now, what I'm doing, speaking, I'm so blessed and grateful. I have a lot of clients. I've worked for 13 Fortune 500 companies of the 13, uh, eight as of hopefully next week, which I'm hoping to close by eight next Monday or Tuesday, is a Fortune 100 company. I've worked for Axe Advisors, Home Depot, J.P. Morgan & Chase, Cisco, Siemens, New York Life, and MetLife in the last three years, and NetApp. I'm sorry, not NetApp, in, in, the, in the last three years. Wow. And then the rest of them are Fortune 
500 companies, which I'm so grateful for as well. But again, the mindset of having to push through the adversity. When I started my career in 2000, uh, at the end of 2013, beginning of 2014, I was told no on every paid speaking job I went after, Grant, for two and a half years. Wow. Two and a half years. And it's, it's like people say, well, Marcus, how did you get to this level of success in your speaking? The same way I did in football. Started out as a freshman in high school, didn't know anything, put the pads on, went out there, played a little bit, got my ass handed to me a lot. Learned a little bit. <laughs> Learned from my lesson. Got myself up. Right. All that. Everything in speaking. Same thing. Nothing's different. It's just a different industry. Right. But a lot of people don't have, we talked about this earlier, the perseverance the grit, the mentality, the mindset to deal with all of the no's that you hear in the beginning of anything you're pursuing, podcast, media career, sports, speaking, real estate, it doesn't matter. Right. So that's what, <laughs> that's what, I've, what I've learned. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, just what you've done in the last couple of years, um, what came up for me is that you're just playing a big game. And I think when you play a big game and you know you know your goals, you know where you're going, um, and you're not – so what does no mean? I, I spent 17 years in corporate America in sales and sales leadership, and I think that's what's allowed me to play a big game and thrive in my career. It's because the no is it's part of the deal, but I don't, I don't plug into the emotion of no. Like, okay, it's kind of like in a game. It's like when you, when you make a mistake – to get stay focused or to refocus, you just kind of, you have to talk to yourself by saying, so what next play? And so, so what, so what next, next person, next person, next person. I don't, the no's never stopped me. If anything, they, they motivated me. So it's really right. cool. And how, so, yeah. And so, so for me, when I tell people, if I'm doing a sales talk or some type of talk around getting inspired, I tell people, no, can either mean one of two things, next opportunity or you need to go out and make your next offer. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, let's. I want to dig a little bit more um, on your mindset as an athlete. I, I love this question. But so when you reflect on your career, what was your biggest mental win and what was your biggest mental fail and how did you overcome it? My biggest mental win was actually rebounding from that practice where I was getting killed, came out the next day and showed my coaches and my teammates that I deserved to be in the National Football League mm. and I was able to play the game at a high level. My biggest mental disappointment is that when I was playing for the Jaguars after my first year, I wish I would have never asked them to trade me because I thought that my coach didn't like me and my position coach. And in reality – my position coach liked me. He just didn't know how to communicate with me. And it wasn't his job to figure out how to do that better. It should have been my job to figure out how to relate to him better. Mm. But because I was young and I was impatient and I was not very prudent and I was not good at thinking things out and being cognitive, I was emotional, not cognitive. That damaged a relationship with the Jaguars and I went off to Baltimore and I should not have ever done that. I should have learned how to be cognitive, chat with my coach, talk face to face and figure out how to close the gap. 
versus just asking to be shipped off because I thought someone didn't like me. So that was my biggest mental mistake that I made uh, in my career. Well, that's, that's cool reflection. You know, I, I actually work with athletes that, you know, there's, there's been from time to time, I've had some conversations with athletes that, that play for incredible coaches, but they're intense. And so sometimes I've, you know, we've, I've had conversations with athletes where they, they're taking it personal, the coaching, the, the intensity. So they feel like coach does not like them because they're being yelled at or being held accountable, but they don't know how to like, they don't know how to understand that if they didn't like you, they wouldn't have you on the team. They do like you as a person. They, they're just coaching you. And sometimes it's hard because we, we plug into the emotion of it. But I think it's really cool from your perspective how you can look back at that moment and say, what was my role? What, what could have I done differently? And I think that perspective is, is huge. And, and, and I actually, I, I try to have my, my athletes that I work with to, to always look at reflection every practice, whether if it is the way that you played, the way that you communicated, the way that you led, because we always have to work on and build on. If we want to get 1% better, we have to reflect. And so I, I thought that your reflection was pretty awesome. Yep, and that's what I tell you all the time. Learn how to look at yourself first, the inside to outside theory, and don't look at someone else, what they're doing, and say that's the reason you're not having success. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, I always bring this, um, I always want to talk about this because maybe it never happened for me when I played, but, you know, you played for about four different teams, but I want to go back to the time where you got drafted by Jacksonville in the sixth round. I want to go back in that moment. Like, what, what was it like when you got drafted, and what was it like when you played your very first game? Oh, it's amazing to be drafted with only about 250 guys approximately get that privilege every year from all schools, like Division One, Two, Three, one up away all across the board. So that, for me, was a huge mental win. And in my first game, it, it was like showing myself that I could do this for a career because I was able to play at a high level. I made some mistakes and all that kind of stuff, but I proved to myself that I belonged in this league because of what I had done on the field in training camp. And in the first game actually showed me and my coaches that I deserved to be there. So being drafted was a huge mental mindset win. Mm. And then playing that first game was kind of surreal to the fact that, wow, I really can do this. And how did you prepare for games? Was there some kind of routine that you had? No, nah, not really. I mean, as a lineman, you don't really, I, I didn't really have that, you know, that, you know, per se routine. I just kind of, you know, I would listen to uh, very mild-mannered music, uh, versus a lot of the heavy, you know, rap stuff, because I wanted to be like the calm before the storm. Right. So, you know, that's probably my biggest ritual, was just listening to some things like that to get myself in that calm state to be able to go out and really execute at a high level, uh, you know, you know, after that. Got it. Got it. You know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fanatic when it comes to the whole, the next one up mindset or the next man up mindset. I actually wrote a book recently, six months ago called the next one up mindset. And, you know, I'm fascinated by how athletes 
get prepared for the moment when when their numbers called, and especially the people that barely get any reps in practice, barely even get any um, time to play, but when their numbers called, how do they react? And probably about a year ago, I had a offensive lineman. He was a center as well for uh, the Vikings for about ten years, I believe, uh, Corey Withrow. And but he was a backup center his whole career. I mean, there was a few times he got in, and there was maybe one or two games where he started because of you know injuries. But I asked him the question: I'm like, how did you get prepared for these games? Did you, knowing that you were a backup center? I mean, did you know that you were like, how did you get prepared? Like you didn't know when you were going to be, you know, when your number was going to be called. And he was like, every game for 10 years, I knew I, in my mind, I had to tell myself, get ready. You're going to play today. You're going to play today. You're going to play today because I just didn't know. So I had to get prepared. Is that true for you? Did you, did you like the times that you were on the bench or you're waiting for your, for your call? Did you always tell yourself to, to get ready? No, yeah, I mean, that's how you have to do it. Like, as a rookie, I took that to myself, and then when I started finally getting in and playing, it, it's like, it was like, okay, now I'm on the field, I got to go play. And you have to have that mindset. If you don't have that mindset, that's like what happened to me when I was uh, at, at Howard my first year. I was at the bench the whole year. Then I came out as a starter as a redshirt freshman. There was a time I got, I had, I got benched because I had some disciplinary problems. And I ended up saying, okay, well, I might play today. I'm not sure they told me no much. We're not sure we're going to play tonight. We're not sure because we have to prove, we have to, we have to show you about how to learn to respect authority, which just, they, they were totally right. But I had to keep myself ready, and I actually ended up getting into the game in the second half and starting. I never, I never got came out start uh, after that at Howard. So absolutely what he's saying is correct. You have to always have yourself ready and prepared to be ready to go and play. Was who who do you think was the hardest? Uh, not on your team, but like when you played, who was the hardest dude to? Oh, to oh, without up? without a doubt, Kevin Williams, deep tackle for the Vikings, uh, phenomenal football player, great guy, uh, great size, great speed. So in my career, Kevin Williams was one of the best, and I also had a chance to play against. Uh, Albert Hainsworth, who was also, uh, you know, he wasn't my teammate, was one of the best as well. So those two guys, wow. without a doubt, some of the biggest, most physical guys I ever played against in my career. Wow, I, I love asking that question because I had uh, I had Chris Dishman on my show not too long ago, who played for the Oilers back in the day. Oh and, yeah. And when I was telling him, asked him that a similar question, it was man, it was it took me back to my childhood because he's you know I asked him like who was the wide receiver that kept you up, you know, kept you up at night. And he said it wasn't necessarily the wide receiver. It was the it was the tandem of quarterback and wide receiver. He goes, you have to understand, I have to go every Sunday. It's either Dan Marino, Mark Duper. It's either um, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. And he was, like, naming all of these greats. And I was like, wow. Like, you have to be on top of your game to play, to compete against those type of elite athletes. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So let's let's talk about transition because I think that's it's a I mean it's real. Uh, I think uh, no matter what level you are, high school, college, professional, Olympian, you have to when you transition, you have to let go of the sport you love and transition into life. And so, how was your transition when you actually transitioned out of football? 
Our transition was good, Grant. I mean, you know, it was just a lot of trying to figure out what to do next, and I was able to make that that change and that in that switch, and I was able to get myself in a situation where I was able to move into, you know, being an entrepreneur, and then I, that didn't work out very well, and then I ended up moving into uh, doing some football, which I love, but it wasn't necessarily my passion. And now I'm working as a speaker, trainer, coach, and uh, that's my passion, along with being a father uh, and a husband and uh, taking care of my responsibilities. And, uh, you know, it's just been great, but it was a lot of struggle in the beginning to find, you know, that niche. And once I found it, which I found now, it's gotten a lot easier, but still a lot of hard work that's involved. Did you have to deal with any kind of uh, identity issues considering that, you know, you played football for so long, you were this thing did was it easy to let go of that or was there a, a process you had to go through no it you know it was it was a process because it's never easy to let go of something you've been doing for so long but i ended up finally telling myself in my early 30s that it's time to move on from football fully and uh when i did that i started to really be able to start taking more hold of my life and doing things i needed to do and wanted to do for myself which was exactly what I was always wanting to do. Got it. Got it. Now, do, do you think there's enough resources out there for athletes to, to have a smoother transition, or do you think there, there's room to improve for the NFL and you know, other organizations to, to help with that transition out of sport? No, I think the sports are doing well. I think they're doing a good job of putting themselves in position to, you know, help players transition. But again, the players have to want to take the initiative to get the help and go forward. So every league's different, but the more resources there are out there, which the leagues are trying to do from what I've heard and seen, especially from the NFL, I can speak to that one. It's a lot of help out there, but it's just about helping people and the athletes have to take the first step to get the help. Absolutely. For sure. Now, I know that you're big into coaching and you're big into mentorship. Uh, how important is it to have mentors, and who is your mentor? Having mentors is huge. Uh, I have a, uh, a mentor out of, uh, he's out of the Philadelphia area, then Brad, who I work with, who helps me as I then end up coaching my clients and other athletes. But Brad has been a huge mentor for me and helped me tremendously build my business and also help with my content as a speaker and also as an executive coach when I work with my clients and do my consulting. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I've, I don't know if you know who, um, Alan Stein Jr. Is he's a, he's a motivational speaker as well. Um, he used to be a, uh, a basketball coach and actually I think he coached KD, um, individually for a long time, but I remember listening to a podcast of his, and he was talking about this awesome mentorship uh, program, and it's or it's a, it's a model, and it's called plus equal minus. And basically, what you're doing is you're finding a mentor or mentors that have maybe five to ten years more experience than you in the field or the thing that you want to be, and then. What you do is you you find that person or persons and you just you just soak everything you can out of them. You have all this knowledge, then you go find your equal, find someone that's doing the same thing you're doing that has the same amount of experience, and then you just share back and forth the information, and then you take that information and you find somebody that's about five seven years 
below you that wants to be like you, and then you just push down all of that knowledge, all that energy, all that love into that person. And I remember when I heard that, I was like, wow, what a, what a beautiful mentorship model. So I agree with that. I think, you know, I, I know Alex Stein Jr. as well. Um, you know, he's been a couple of my, he was one of my events that I had a couple of years ago. So I know him uh, very well. He knows me. So that makes a lot of sense. And that model is something that I can see how it could work out very well from all different perspectives. So I think that's something that definitely makes a lot of sense. Totally. Totally. Well, let's, let's talk about real quick personal brand. I want to bring this up because I remember uh, working with someone uh, when I first started my company, and she was saying, if you want to know what your personal brand is and what it means and what people think of it, it's essentially it's what people are saying when you are not around. So when you turn your back, so it's, it's how you treat people and how you present yourself and all that. So what do you think people would say about you when you're not around, about your personal brand? Uh, really that I'm out to inspire people and just share my authentic message, which is something I've worked very hard to do since I started my career as a speaker several years ago. But that's what people who I've interacted with or heard from, I'll, I'll get messages from people, hey, this person you know said this about you or so on and so forth. So that's the kind of message and that's the kind of you know thing people say about me and our brand is that we're all inspiring people and trying to help them with my authentic message beautiful i love it being authentic sharing your energy i love it uh i think that's right uh, right in the lines of what i what i kind of strive for is just you know my energy is my offering and that's kind of that's my personal brand man when people see me they're like are you always on fire i'm like when i'm doing what i love sure I am, but there's times where I need to drop it down in second gear and recharge myself. So, um, and I can I can feel your energy too. So I can only imagine when you're speaking or working with people, uh, the value they get from from your energy and uh, your commitment. So that's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy it, Grant. Beautiful. Well, one more question before we sign off here, and I love this question, and this can be fairly deep, if you will. Um, but when you reflect on your whole career, so as an athlete and even as a motivational speaker, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? I've learned that I have to always remain humble. That's exactly how I lost my first business, uh, my construction business. As the company grew, start making more money, start having massive success, my ego grew. And when my ego grew, it grew so large that I could not even be in the same room with it. And that's exactly when the demise of my business started to transpire is when I let my ego run the show. And I tell you all the time, the one thing I would always go back and change is I would remain humble as I'm having success. And which is why today I'm always humble. I'm always appreciative. I'm always asking questions. I'm never someone says, oh, gee, look at what I'm doing. I'm someone says, hey, I'm very blessed to do what I'm doing. If I can help you achieve your goals, I'm all about it. Yeah, I love it. It's a it's a great lesson being humble. It's um, it it's not easy sometimes, but when you actually are in the present and you're connected to truly who you are and what you are all about, I think being humble is a beautiful thing, and it feels good. It feels good to be, to be humble. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, how do my listeners? How do they connect with you? How do they follow you on social media and buy your books? 
So they uh, they want to go to my website, which is www.marcus, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, Ogden, O-G-D-E-N.com. They can buy our books there. Um, you know, there's an Amazon link on there. You can follow me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, at Marcus Ogden. I'm on Instagram, at Marcus Ogden. My Facebook is Marcus Ogden. Twitter is uh, at Marcus underscore Ogden. Uh, and you can find me there. And you can also shoot me an email, Marcus underscore Ogden at Yahoo.com. Beautiful. Marcus, man, thank you for, for sharing your mindset and your journey as an athlete and also as a entrepreneur slash motiv- motivational speaker, man. I, I really, really, truly uh, thank you for your energy, and, uh, and I know my listeners do as well. So thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Grant. I appreciate it. 